0: A super awesome guest this uh, this episode, the one and only Amy Spaulding. Yay! Yay! Welcome. Yay. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Who is the author of the Reese Malcolm list, which we love? Uh huh. And upcoming ink is thicker than water, right?
1: Yes. Yes,
0: and that's coming out in October,
1: December, December third.
0: Why did That's I it That's not enough?
1: soon enough.
0: I know. I think I oh, like God.
1: Guys, it. it's not even <laughs> <laughs> finished, so trust me, all time will serve us well.
0: And both of those are with Entangled Teen, and then you have some other Really news exciting news. About the Amy Spaulding number three. Yes. So, you want to tell Go us? Go ahead and talk about that.
1: Yeah, my third book, Kissing Ted Callahan and Other Guys, is coming out in spring 2015. So that was just announced this week, and I'm really excited. And that's with? That's with Poppy Little Brown.
0: Oh, oh crap. I'm getting an echo. Oh, no. Oh, it just went away. It I just think. went away. All right, okay, never mind. Okay, Let's just, guys, if there's weirdness on the audio, it's Skype's fault. It's not us. We're a very professional operation here. Right? Don't laugh course I love I love the um Kissing Ted Callahan and Other Guys Title. It is I such do an too. Amy title. I hope will yeah, change it. I really like it.
1: I don't think they're gonna change it. I've gotten no feedback on that. I think. I think people like the title.
0: No, it is I mean it sounds like an Amy Spaulding book. Yeah.
1: So Yeah, I feel I don't know. I definitely felt growing up like I should be writing serious literature and I should be contributing to (laughs) the greater American landscape. And so this book is like, Amy, you are, it's just like such a full admission of like, that is not at all what I'm interested in. (laughs) Like, screw that. I'm writing. about.
0: It seems like you want to make people laugh and like feel, I don't know. Connected to something. Yeah. I and mean, that's the way, really, like, I loved Reese Malcolm List because, like, it had, like, some funny parts and, yeah, like, yeah. it, it sort of made me feel warm and fuzzy, but it also had some, like, really real. Serious. Like, like the family going stuff on. in that book was, like, really emotional and really, I don't know. It, it really it hit all those notes. I don't know. I really like, enjoyed it. I loved so. it. Thanks. We passed Perfect. around, someone, I passed around my copy of the Reese Malcolm List to so many people I don't know who has it. And I think my entire book club, they've all read it, yeah And they all loved it. They all
2: really liked it. And we have some
0: pretty, you know, picky folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. That's really nice. Uh, Yeah, it's funny, though, because I really, the only, my only attempt with that book was to make it emotional and real. And then I started getting feedback, like, it's also fun and it's funny. And I was like, oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it because I think real life is funny. I think there are funny is, things that happen every day, and I think that yeah, you I really
1: accepted it in that, that. Like, it's okay that it's, it's funny. I'm like, that's not even my funny book. God, <laughs> but I'm I'm. I'm understanding now because that's what, again, like you said, that's what life is. Life is funny, even in the midst of a tragedy or something stressful. There's usually something also funny going on and, or just what's going on is funny in its own way, even if it's awful. And I do, I, that's something I love thinking about and kind of examining. So I, I understand, I feel like I'm finally starting to understand like what I write (laughs) In an objective way versus what I think I write, which is, I clearly was wrong about for a while. So, Kissing Ted Callahan is the first time that I just set out to write a comedy on purpose versus writing something that ended up being a little funny. So,
0: if that's. I can't wait to read it. I'm I'm, super excited. I'm excited. We have to wait till 2015. That's a really long time. But I'm very pleased about that
1: uh entangled teen has a much quicker turnaround because there's you know they're smaller it, uh-huh. there's just there's less red tape things get out quicker and you know moving over to a, you know one of the one of the well, huge. <laughs> big five now yeah it's it's a totally different schedule i mean i'm gonna have to i my work is going to be done just as quickly it's just that there's more time in between for things to happen mm-hmm. you know i start edits next month so it's oh, wow. it's the same it's it's not just maybe the same schedule, but even a tighter schedule. It's just that when you're dealing with a bigger publishing house, there's a lot more red tape. There's a lot more steps, and so I have to get used to this new kind of schedule.
2: It's exciting, though. Oh, that's super I've, exciting! And I'm excited. so it's excited like, for you. I know, not just for the book, but for you, because that's really well, thank awesome. You.
1: you guys have been a good support for <laughs> my career so far. We're
0: big Amy fans. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're already off topic, but, uh, I, I always will appreciate, like, you were the first author who emailed me about doing, like, sort of a promotional thing, who, like, totally got what
1: our blog was about, you know?
0: You're like, I love Friday Night Lights!
1: Like, <laughs> you got cool. out my book.
0: <laughs> You're
1: like, not usually, but you did mention Friday Night Lights, so yes,
0: um, Oh. I know. I really was like, this. I think was my response. It's like, oh, you know, you know, Trish Dollar and you like Friday night lights. Okay. You're cool.
2: <laughs> that was like,
0: <laughs> this is like, that's all she needed. It's really, that's the secret. It's really easy. <laughs> anyway, but, um, we had, I, and this, our conversation had started, um, about doing this podcast, I don't know, like a month or so ago when Probably. you went on your like epic Oh, Twitter yeah, I've had like
2: this really big Twitter rant. And I've mentioned this before,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. and Laura's Twitter, one of Laura's Twitter rants had um, just talked F about I am want to do. expectations of um, <laughs> characters and female characters and teen characters in general. And um, sort of, and I had mentioned to Laura, we should do a podcast about this. And then Amy was like, can I be on it? And I was like, she's probably joking, but I'm going to hold her to that. I was not joking.
1: I have a lot to say. I, this is, I would say within the world of contemporary YA, it's what I think about most often, honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, I was not joking. I was ready.
0: Yeah. So um, so we wanted to talk about um, sort of the expectations and sort of in some ways the, the challenges of um, – Girls slash women characters in fiction, and um, sort of the idealized depictions of being a girl, and all of sort of trying to untangle that. Just that tiny little topic, right? Yeah, it's really small. Um, and just some, particularly some of the the ways we talk about um, female characters and all of that stuff. And so, Amy has some thoughts on that and i'm sure we could just hand the like mic like over to her <laughs> but and it could probably just lord i could just sit here and have our coffee yeah but um like but i think i'm really <laughs> interested in what
2: your perspective is as an author and how you feel challenged as an author writing characters um all so of that stuff take it away amy
1: all right <laughs> um <laughs> I will. I feel like I have to warn everyone just ahead of time before we get into anything serious. that (laughs) My dog is like in the midst of rolling around on the floor right now. Like, I have no idea why. I have one cat sitting on my butt, basically. (laughs) And another cat was just walking around. So I feel like at any moment in this call, it just could devolve into like an animal fight. Or, wild, you know, Wild Kingdom. So just-
0: <laughs> Actually, people are used to that because yeah. most of the time, because we record this podcast in my garage slash my husband's wood shop slash my sewing room slash laundry room slash workspace and slash sound studio. Uh-huh. And there's a cat door, as people have come to know, um, that we don't have a cat. Um, from the garage to the house. And so my dogs like to stick, try to like basically shove their bodies through the cat door. They're both large dogs. It doesn't work. And that always creates some excitement. So people are used to that. Good. No one is going to be phased. Yeah.
1: I did an interview for my blog series, Musical Theater Monday. And I was just like, and it was with like a super professional actor. And I was trying to act like, you know, like an adult. Like a grown up. And the whole time I'm just like, don't make a move, animals. And then at the very end of the call, his dog, like, freaked out and started barking. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't me. So that happened.
0: It is. Yeah. I I am well aware. I always, like, when I have to talk to people on the phone because I work out of my house, I'll be like, my dog is probably going to go to ballistic because that's what he does when I'm on the phone. I apologize. And it's kind of my litmus test for whether or not I want to work with people is how they feel about if my dog goes ballistic. So. Yeah,
1: it it can be tricky though because sometimes, you know, if it's a client, they have the right to not like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know, I know. It's really annoying.
1: <laughs> anyway. anyway, I'm I'm also scrolling through my Tumblr because I, I had a really good quote about teenage girls in here that I will find at some point. But to get started, uh I really feel it is shifted and I'm sure this has always been – it's always been happening in YA. It's always been happening in real life because, hello, we live in, you know, a sexist culture. And, of course, girls are not treated as well as they should be. But I feel like there's something really specific in YA that's been happening. And I don't know if it's the last five years or what. But I feel that, you know, growing up – and I know YA was, was different then, um you know, I'm 35 now, which means I was born in 77. and Woo-hoo!
0: so. Sorry, it, I was born in 77, too. so I get Nice. It's like, a good
1: year, guys. I
0: know. <laughs> I was born in 80. Sorry. I'm That's not my, my brother little was trio. Was born. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, the YA we read growing up was not, it was not the YA that is available now. No. <laughs> right. I will say I remember reading books where girls would just make terrible decisions the whole way through, and then they would learn a lesson at the end. It was like, oh, good for them. But what I feel happens now is when I read reviews, and I'm going to try not to actually talk about my own books too much on this because I feel it's sometimes hard to untangle what's what's legitimate complaint, what is like a sexist cultural issue, and what's just I don't want people talking badly about my characters. Well, it's hard so to
0: detach yourself from it, your own intent, too.
1: It really is, and I, I, I can't always tell, so... I, I'll i try to leave my own stuff. I'll bring what whatever I think is relevant, but I'm going to try to kind of keep this more generally focused or on other people. Um, what I'm noticing from reviews is that if, a this, you know, the same kind of story, maybe a girl acts like a brat or has some issues or makes some bad decisions throughout a book, and the whole point is that by the end, she's going to learn some kind of lesson or see things more clearly. It's almost as if that doesn't matter, and they're... And the reviews say why is she like that the whole time? Well, if she wasn't like that the whole time, what is the point of the book? A girl who is great at everything, who makes great decisions, and then everything good happens to her, if that was a book, people would say, Why is she so perfect? So I, I'm not quite sure sometimes what what the expectation is. You can't be too perfect because then you're not real or you're a Mary Sue, and you can't be too damaged. And what I've noticed, it seems you're only allowed to A teenage girl in a book is only allowed to make bad decisions or be bratty or jealous if, like, she was raped or her dad died or, you know, something. She really really gets her comeuppance
2: at the end. Right, right. (laughs) And
1: I don't know about you guys, but I was a super brat in in high school. Absolutely. I got jealous (laughs) of my friends. I got jealous of people I didn't know. I, you know, thought I should be better at everything than I was. I was too scared to do things for no real reason. And I had a good life. You know, I was from a middle class family outside of St. Louis. I didn't have any real struggles. And of course, you know, looking back on it now, it's so, it's so common things I worried about. In fact, some of the friends I thought had it so easy were thinking the same thing about me. And I think that's that's so valuable. I think that time in our lives where we're kind of learning to be a person who has to deal with other people, and that's something ongoing. That's something that by the time you're 18 and you graduate, you're probably still dealing with to some degree. I know lots of adults who don't know how to do that yet, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys within your friendships and relationships, but things still come up that basically could have been the, the an argument I had at seventeen. Just now, I have my own place. You know, now yeah. I'm not going to go home and cry in front of my mom. Yeah, now you I can
0: just go cry to the cat, or
1: yeah. <laughs> I have to call my mom and cry to her because uh, she's in another state now. But I find it so strange this whole this whole idea of. Bad decisions are for, you know, bad people, or you've got to earn making a bad decision.
0: Yeah, you, there has to be yeah. an equally bad thing, bad that has thing, happened like to a you. catalyst. There has to be justification for being kind of a jerk or making bad decisions. Right. And, and as opposed to it being a natural course of sort of figuring out
1: your place
0: yeah. in the world. And also,
1: sometimes life just sucks. I whine about things all the time. I, you know, I get annoyed by things that I know are not, I I hate the whole idea of like, well, somebody died, so you're not allowed to complain about your downstairs neighbor being loud. It's like, yeah, but that's a legitimate complaint within my life. (laughs) I'm not going to say it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but it's so strange to me that it's like, well, a greater tragedy exists somewhere, so you need to be quiet about these other smaller things within your own world. I mean, when you're 16 and your best friend is blowing you off, that is the worst thing in the yeah. world. Devastating, right?
0: So awful. <laughs> it's it's a real, it's a really interesting point because it's almost like that um, you know, the the YA novels that deal with sort of the more like superficial quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. I find it really annoying. There's no way to convey air quotes without <laughs> oh, yeah. someone actually yeah. seeing me because I use them all the time. And, um,
1: I have a friend who says I do talk in all caps though. And I think that's fair. This, I can definitely talk in all caps. Yeah. Immediately.
0: So, um, anyway, the the books that deal with sort of the more like quote unquote superficial type topics, you know, such as, you know, relate, you know, relationships with boys, or, you know, not feeling like you socially fit in, or even, like, you know, things that, like, as a grown-up, like, I realize are kind of ridiculous, like prom and what have you, are, those problems are somewhat, they're not, they're not necessarily seen as legitimate concerns worthy of being addressed in a book. And I don't necessarily think that's true, either. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the really bad thing that happened, because a lot of kids go through life and things are, you know, pretty okay. But, like, mm-hmm. man, it still sucks to feel like you're the only one who, like, no one wants to go to prom with.
1: I also was talking with another um, another woman around my age the other week about <laughs> the personalities that erupt when, like, a class reunion is planned. Like, adults putting these together and how they, like, everyone falls back into their high school roles. <laughs> And you have to deal with these people that you never thought you'd have to see again. And we both had, like, Facebook threads that had happened during ours that were just ridiculous. And it just <laughs> terrifying. Oh, oh my God. That I'm awful. actually, like,
0: I'm actually, like, I was holding my breath there when you were talking about this. I don't have Facebook, and this is part of why. Like,
2: but I do like- not want to dredge that shit up in my adult life. You know? No. <laughs>
1: Well, I went, it was fine, but there was drama afterward apparently involving me that I wasn't even aware of. And there was a whole a person what? who, Amy Spalding, if you're mad at me, I was not talking about you. I'm like, I don't know who you are. What is happening? And it was, it was ridiculous. I didn't care because hello, I don't, I'm not really involved in high school politics anymore. I'm really over that. But what was funny to me is I thought for everyone who wants to act like I'm sorry, who gets invited to a party or not is never not going to be relevant again. It's not a big deal. I'm sorry, we're in our 30s. We're clearly still dealing with this to some degree. There are still people worried about the same kind of social rules and who gets this and who's allowed to do this and who can talk to who. And I thought we can act like this all goes away after high school if we want, but it doesn't. It's, I'm sorry, I live in Hollywood. Of course, Hollywood is like high school in so many ways. There's cliques and there's who gets invited to what. And who's cool enough to be talked to at this? And, of course, that's stupid to a big degree. But it also, why are are we going to act like what you're going through at 16 is stupid when we're just going to keep living it out to some degree for the rest of our lives?
0: Right. (laughs) stupid or not. Social rejection is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, you and I were sort of talking about that in yeah, one of our epic text message yeah, friends. Yeah, I've been
2: thinking about that. this a lot in the context of something that I've been working on for the blog for a while that I haven't really been able to articulate well yet. But anyway, so Salon had a really interesting article recently about rejection and how it really is a big deal to people to feel rejected and it kind of goes back to caveman days where if you were rejected by like your tribe or the group that you were with then it basically meant you were dead so like even the smallest little things really hurt so and when you're a teenager you're dealing with these things all the time just with like
1: God, can you social guys remember...
2: dynamics what? and
0: stuff You'd like that. You'd have
1: to fight with a friend or find out someone was mad at you. The next morning, that walk into school was the most terrifying. Terrifying.
0: It was horrible. It was really, really... Because my, like, little social group had a big fight my senior year. <laughs> and it was, like... And it went on because we're all really stubborn girls, yeah. too. And it was, like... It went on for, like, a month. And we were all in the same classes. And it was, like, I would dread... Like that walk into school, and like that the social group was like fractured. It was horrible. I mean, it well, was absolutely. The funny horrible. thing about
1: high school too is, you know, as an adult, if I date someone and it doesn't work out, I can pretty much kind of never see him again.
0: Yeah, I mean, like oh, yeah. some, like careful, you know, strategic, you know, avoiding certain places. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But when you're in high school, like, you're just going to go to school and see that person again. Your best friend who hates you now is in all your classes. It's insane the way you, when I think about how I had to be constantly thrown together with people who, you know, I'd honest, none of us wanted to be in each other's lives anymore.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of bad decisions kind of come out of not wanting to be rejected. You're just like, okay, this person is treating me like shit, but I need to put up with it. Otherwise, I'm out. Oh, I will have nobody. This is better than nothing. You know what I mean, and so a lot of your bad decisions um come from just having to deal with all those social dynamics and not wanting to be rejected. I think,
1: yeah, I absolutely agree, okay. I found the quote, guys, it's really good. It was worth me looking through my time <laughs> seeing a bunch of pictures of Zach Afron that I saved. <laughs> People don't want to be compared to the teenage girl. The teenage girl is hated. Teenage girls hate themselves. If you listen to a certain kind of music or you express your emotions in a certain kind of way, if you solve harm, you write diaries, all those activities are sort of laughed at and ridiculed because they're associated with being a teenage girl. Even just things like being cripplingly self conscious or overly concerned with our appearance, that's considered like a teenage girl thing and therefore it's ridiculous. It's stupid, it's not relevant or legitimate. And you know what we needed at that age was legitimization and respect and support, but all we got was dismissal and, oh, you're such a teenage girl. That's
2: really I, good.
1: That's, who from, who said that? It's from an essay called Feminism, Education, and the Plight of the Teenage Girl. Um, I'm looking at, oh, it's a YouTube video, God. Uh, it's oh. from those, pes- oh, those I, pesky dames.
0: Yeah, I saw that, that video.
1: So, and I, that really struck me because I think that's so true. Yeah. And you start thinking about all the things within our society that were like, that thing's stupid. It's like, Oh, is that, or how many times people are like, God, you sound like a teenage girl. Is that that's the worst thing you could sound Never, like.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah. I, um, it's like one of the, and I know nothing about like comics and all that stuff, but one of the, I was chatting with, I can't remember who I was chatting with. Anyway, I was chatting with someone on the Twitter, and I can't remember who. As you know. And, as one does, and they were saying, it was during when Comic-Con was going on, and they Mm -hmm. were talking about how one of the big, um, big riffs in that community is that there's this feeling that that has been taken over by the teenage girls who are just into Twilight. I mean, that's the narrative, and... So every time every single thing like when they did the divert you know the big divergent trailer reveal like it's like oh this is what all the teen girls are screaming about like that narrative just like repeats itself over and over and over is like you need to re- you are expected to reject anything that the the culture of the teen girl embraces it's, right. And it's if, fascinating. Yeah. And it's,
1: oh, it's the worst thing in the world that these girls came for one thing when if a boy came just because he liked Batman, that would be fine. Totally
0: legit. But these girls come so they can see the Divergent trailer and it's like, oh. What do these girls think they're doing here? They're screaming here? In and in sounding space, like girls you know? in our space and like it's un- it's it's uncomfortable and it's offensive and all of these ba- It's really, it's like this, I feel like there's bad, it's. I feel like there has been a growth in that sort of almost bl- more blatant. I think that's, it's always been a part of an undertone, but I think people saying that really blatantly has become very, very common and like very accepted. And I hear women say it too. So it's not just, yeah. you know, it's, it's oh, been internalized it really- to this like very deep
1: level. Yeah. It's either women who understand sexism or women who have internalized just this, 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 this blah, to this huge degree where it's, Oh, I'm not girly. I don't like girly stuff. I'd never drink that. I wouldn't eat a cupcake. I'm not gonna wear that kind of dress. Stupid. I'm like a guy. I have guy friends. I'm cool. It's like no, you're you just sound like an asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's in it's. It, but it's interesting, like to that extent yeah. that it's like almost accepting that there's that the other culture is better, and that's what you should aspire to. Yeah, It's an interesting, I mean, you know, I have, like, a master's degree in gender studies, so, like, it's, like, fascinating to me how that sort of morphed in a really big way, and it's just, like, part of that kind of cultural discourse. Yeah,
2: I don't know if you guys saw this, but, like, last night and today, there's been a really big thread on Tumblr Yeah, uh, by Sarah Reese Brennan. Um, about
1: kind mainly of the internalized
2: misogyny that kind of girls are doing, like, where girls are really disdainful of girly things, too, kind of like what yes. we've been talking about. And I'm just like, you know, there's nothing wrong. Like, I like to wear cute dresses. I also love football. Like Laura is girls, actually wearing a cute dress right now. <laughs> you know, there's nothing
0: wrong with either of those things. I'm know? wearing Hello Kitty
1: pajamas at the moment.
0: Oh, you are the one who's really bringing the fashion to this podcast, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I'm, I have. There's another quote I really want to look up for you. I don't know why I'm like, guys, I've got all these good quotes on the internet to show you, but I've got another really good one I'm going to tell you in a minute. But what I wanted to say is I feel like so much of, not not that we need to like talk about Comic-Con for super long because that's so off topic, but one thing that I think is really funny is that A lot of the complaint about Comic-Con is basically, so if the big panel of the day is Twilight and they're going to unveil a trailer and they're going to have the cast, the way Comic-Con is set up is if you want to be in that room, you basically have to be in it from the start of the day. Right. So you have to be in it from the first panel on, which means these smart girls and their moms and all these women who want to see Twilight knew to get there at 5 a.m. and they've got the room for the day. And everyone's like, that's not fair. I wanted to see this and I couldn't because stupid girls were in it. They're wasting it. All they want to see is Twilight. Well, guess what? When I went a few years ago, I wanted to see Joss Whedon speak. I had to sit through every freaking panel that day because I wanted to have a good seat for it. I was stealing seats from people too. And that's to see something that's accepted as being cool within you know the geek world. So I think that's a Comic-Con issue of why don't you get t- different tickets for different panels? Yeah, like, why women. do you make
2: these people stay in the same room all day for 10 panels? Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Blame Comic-Con <laughs> for that situation if you're not happy about it. It's not the girl's fault. You know what I mean? It's Comic-Con's fault.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for see, daring what? invade that right. space. I
2: know. How dare they?
1: Okay. Do I they think the- they're
2: like 50% of the population or something. You
1: know? Okay, I found the other quote. It's really great. Guys, I'm really into quotes. I also thought of another quote I want to read you. I don't know what happened (laughs) to me. This is not a thing I ever do in, like, day-to-day life.
0: Uh,
1: Admit it, you you just walk
0: around with one of those itty-bitty books of quotes and, like, pull it out and say, like, I have a quote for you. Uh
1: It's, like, a weird day of self-discovery for me. I'm like, guys, I have so many things to tell you that other women have said that are cool. Anyway, this is the quote um, (laughs) from... Uh, Zoe Deschanel, um, it's great. I'm just being myself. There's not an ounce of me that believes any of that crap that they say. We can't be feminine and be feminist and be successful. I want to be a fucking feminist and wear a fucking Peter Pan collar. So fucking what? Guys, that's awesome. That is so great. That is me in a nutshell. Sorry, <laughs> I, you know? It's
0: also It's also very true. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I think it's interesting because she, in particular these days is kind of embodying this ideal girl the manic pixie dream girl thing mm-hmm. like whatever that means with it seems to re- mean something different every time i look it up but like she really seems to embody this thing that guys are really going for right now and mm-hmm. she's just like i'm just being me
0: and you know? <laughs> i'm it's not really, a symbol. It's, just, it's really interesting though yeah. um. <laughs> Yeah, we, I know we're thinking of the same. We, yes. we have a mutual but friend there are, who is he's obsessed not the
2: only one. The there archetype. There are many and men it's very, who are really going after this ideal that she seems to be embodying these days,
0: you know? But if I'm they sorry. really understood her, they would probably be scared of her. Yeah. I mean, I'm, sorry, I'm being kind of an asshole, but it's, you know, sort of true.
1: No, it's the whole idea that, oh, I like this because it's not threatening. It's like, no, she's still got the same beliefs, guys. It's she's kind not-
0: of, it's actually kind of subversive, actually. It is. Yeah,
1: very um, much so.
0: Because I have, I, it's interesting, I have kind of a bit, vi- like, a bit of a visceral reaction to her. Uh-huh. And it's more, it has more to do with the way the guys that Laura's talking about, like, the way they, not Respond the specific her. person we're talking yeah. about, but that's sort of. The way that they respond to her, and it like, and it has nothing to do with her, her specifically. Yeah. Um, but it's actually like really kind of like subversive and awesome if you think yeah. about it. Like, you know, she's kind of yeah, she's really growing on me. Kind of sneaky, her like isn't that.
1: <laughs> I'm like, the more you talk like that, the more I just also like, I don't know. Her whole look is so I love it. So yeah, I'm giving her props.
2: I wish I could have cute bangs like that. Yeah, banks
1: don't work for me. No, no. Now, I'm a believer anyone can do that. I don't know why.
2: (laughs) You gotta have beliefs. That's my belief. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but And, guys, I just found another, when you just said the thing about 50% of the population, I reminded of another quote. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted to read it to you, even though it's the most depressing thing I've ever heard.
2: I think I know what you're going at, but go ahead.
1: We just heard a fascinating and disturbing study where they looked at the ratio of men and women in groups, mm-hmm. and they yeah.
0: mm-hmm. found out
1: if there's seventeen percent women, the men in the group think it's fifty fifty, and if there's thirty three percent women, the men perceive there being more women in the room than men. That's that's a quote from Gina Davis uh, on NPR's All Things Considered, guys. That's exact. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And
2: Is there's that- studies also that they've done in classrooms where if girls talk like like, way less than 50% it's, of the I time. I think it was, like, then, about 28% like yeah, of the time. If girls spend that much time talking in a classroom, then the guys think they're taking over the conversation yeah. and overpowering it. It's, yeah. It's kind it of like... glad I went to an all-girls school, It's though.
0: It's actually kind of like the perception that the YA shelves, like, there's nothing for boys in the oh, YA shelves. Which is absurd. Well, absurd. we know that's absurd. Um, you know, but
1: First of all, if we if we could just fix society, guys, completely. <laughs> uh, no, we can uh,
2: do it. The three of us.
1: <laughs> uh, somebody I knew was involved in some kind of experiment where they they took a some book for girl. I God, I can't believe I just said that. But some book that's clearly marketed for girls, mm-hmm. and you know, female main character first person point of view stuff about boys the whole nine yards but they took the cover off it was a hard cover and so it was just like a black book yeah. or whatever and um or maybe it was a soft cover and they pulled it off where you couldn't even see what the title was and they handed it out to a whole classroom and the boys liked it in the same degree and then they saw the cover and they were like oh i read a girl book ah oh, and they freaked out Yeah, but up until then they enjoyed it because all of I'm so sick of hearing that, you know, boys and girls go through such different journeys. They really, when you get deep down to what people are worried about, they don't.
0: No. No. Yeah, you're right. People worry about, you know, their friendships, families, not, you know... (laughs)
1: The what they're going to do with
0: their lives and who they're going yeah. to be. Feeling uh, like you don't fit in. Yeah. I mean, those are all things that, I I mean, I had a lot of male friends growing up, and yeah. I still do. And that seems to be, a, those are kind of, there isn't a big difference in the things that they about I mean one of my really close male friends in high school like his like eternal angst all through high school was that he was like deeply in love with one of our other friends and that and like she had no interest and like oh yes, no. and he's still single and I think he might that still is, like, be in worst love with her ever. <laughs> anyway but I mean like how is that experience of like that sort of like repeated heartbreak because yeah. the person that they just like have this like intense crush on for all that time like is has rejected has rejected them repeatedly. How is that any different than what like a girl who goes through the same thing is dealing with. Yeah, uh,
2: the girl is just don't like, like, th- get over it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people say. Or, like girls. she's
1: creepy. Oh, what a loser. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> but like I have a male friend, like a really good friend of mine. We have lunch like once a week or so and we hang out and um we're talking a lot about expectations for boys and he's just like well there's certain expectations for boys that are really hard to live up to you know as far as just the jock and not showing your emotions and you know you're you're not supposed to cry and those are all things that all humans feel emotion strongly and it should be okay to cry about them but crying is considered girly i have to tell you, you know what i mean so guys this, don't want to oh. do that <sighs>
1: The whole way that guys are presented in culture, honestly, uh, for a long time, I think kind of screwed me up because I had this subconscious belief in my head that like guys didn't really have interest. They didn't really love people. They're just kind of like assholes who wanted to have sex and impress their friends. And I'm not saying that guys don't want to have sex and impress their <laughs> friends. We <laughs> <laughs> <Even> all <laughs> want to have sex and impress our friends. Come on. But. <laughs> <laughs> emotion, you know, barely emotional, uh, not caring about anything, and kind of the way that guys want to portray themselves sometimes. In high school is almost how a lot of media just kind of acts like guys are, period. And it honestly, even though I've always had male friends, I've always had great guys in my life. And, you know, I have a dad who's cried in front of me way more than my mom has cried in front of me. My dad's like a big emotional dope. Um, I still kind of have the subconscious picked up from, you know, society and the media thing of like, how can I ever really be comfortable in front of a guy because they're just like, these weird jerks who will barely put up with you. and the you know the older I got and the more people who came into my life, it's like, oh, that's stupid, that's not true. But even so, every once in a while, I'll read an interview with a with a man where he's being very emotional and very open, and it'll throw me for a loop, and I have to again reconcile that with how society says they're so different from women.
2: Thinking. I know Laura
0: and I are sitting here staring into space thinking <laughs> like like you're so right and yeah. it's sort of mind-blowing and just how that also feeds into like all the archetypes of the way of boys yeah and, I mean
1: the well and the and I think there's also oh something I wanted to talk about we I don't even know if we're on or off topic at this point does it yeah.
0: matter oh, it doesn't matter
1: this podcast is going to be five hours long. Well, we'll we, have
0: have to, we have to end, leave by 2.30. We have to end by 2.30 because we have book club at 3. But we can oh, do, okay. like, part two. Like we can always do something. a part two. <laughs> so
1: All I'm right. Well, one thing I wanted to say that I think is maybe why there's been this shift in the last few years, I think it's, it's two things. One, I thought of on my own. Another uh, friend of mine who also writes Contemporary Young Adult, who I will not name. But she knows who she is. Uh, that was so creepy. I apologize. I know,
0: that was kind of creepy.
1: <laughs> what are you doing, Spalding? Uh, uh, is this
0: person your friend or is this someone that you like stalk on the internet?
1: Uh, what What's the difference? <laughs> so, I think mean,
0: they're kind of one and the same to me for
2: when it comes to some people.
1: <laughs> so, we were we were talking about this whole idea of likability with regard to girls in contemporary YA, and she said she thinks some of it's to do with uh the surgeon dystopian and those kind of more adventurous books mm-hmm. because those girls their journey is not becoming necessarily it's their is Their journey is literally external. You know, it's almost like a literal journey. They have to defeat the capital. They have to figure this out. They have to get their family out. They have to, you know, make love come back into their world and go to the boy they really care about. And so they need to kind of have those skills at the beginning of the book for it to work, or at least have that within them. And that shift that happens internally has either already happened for them because of the society they live in. Or it's got to happen very early on for you know it's Katniss stepping up and taking her sister's place mm-hmm. that that happens very early in the book or the book couldn't happen it would be just Katniss mm-hmm. being like oh my sister died this is a sad story it wouldn't it wouldn't be the whole trilogy was, so it because of that be the trilogy <laughs> yeah. it'd be so it'd just be like so depressing Uh because of that girls who are maybe. Well, and readers. I'll just say readers in general who are coming into YA through that gate versus the gate of, like, a twilight or just a I've heard this is a cool genre. Mm -hmm. I think when they're coming in through that, they'll pick up something like that, and then maybe they pick up my book. I don't know how that transition happened, but maybe it did. And then they're like, why isn't she just figuring things out? Why isn't she braver? Why isn't she just accept this is what her life is now? Uh Because... Because that's what girls in dystopian do. They have to for the sake of the story.
2: And I think that's really interesting because all of those things you're talking about, as far as what girls have to do in dystopian, those are traits that are admired in boys.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: And I think there's a lot to your theory. I really do.
1: That that was the genius of somebody else. I cannot take credit, but I think. Other person's
0: theory. And, um, I think there's we a bow lot. bow down to your theory, whoever you are. Yeah. I think there's a lot to that. Um, and I was actually, I was having an email chat with Bree, who writes um, a really awesome blog called Romance Around the Corner. And um, when she did a, she did a week, she called it Heroin Week, and she had, not the drug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, you guys, hear something funny about heroin and heroin? <laughs> yes. One of one of my blurbs has the word heroin in it, and the person who sent it to me spelled it like the drug. <laughs> and then she emailed me later like, oh my God, I just realized what I did. <laughs> that was
0: <is> awesome. <laughs> um, and it was a really awesome um, week that she did. She had all kinds of guest posts about sort of the way that, you know, from mostly from authors and just about how the way sort of female leads are crafted and um, in different contexts. And then she, I did a guest post for, um, that as well, um, and she had asked me to put together, um, basically book recommendations with quote-unquote strong female leads for teens that were not based in, like, sort of physical strength, like, strong mental force, the sort of, um, you know, the dystopian paradigm the of this sort of, kind of like, of, yeah, the Buffy, right. the Katniss, the... You know and not, not that, that I are, don't love no, Buffy. those because like I, I really like both those characters but that there is this sort of type of strength and type of journey that has is what people have come to expect as the norm in y a accepted norm yeah, yeah like that is that is what that's the aspiration and so she'd asked me to put together a list of like, you know, there's quieter journeys that are just as meaningful. And, um, and there's a lot out there. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting in most of those that I found, like, there were, because I went through and I also read, like, like, all the reviews and stuff, because I got kind of obsessive in putting that list together. It took me way (laughs) too long. But it's interesting, like, some of them, um, that were books that I, I just had characters that I just really, really loved, um, and, uh, now it's, like, I don't necessarily want to, like, name the ones where people have said things, nasty things about characters. But, um, you know, one of them was, like, Bruised by Sarah Skilton, which mm-hmm. I loved. And I love that character's journey. But, like... And
1: Sarah Skilton is one of my best friends, guys. I love Bye. that
0: book. I think that book is just so impressive. Does but... everybody
2: know what Sarah Skilton said to me, as an aside, when yes, met her? Yes, this is excellent. Okay, so... Uh, Sarah, my podcast partner, not Sarah Skilton, <laughs> Sarah and I went up to the American Library Association Midwinter Conference this past January for a day. And uh, they were giving out arcs of her books and she was signing them for people. So we get in line and I had a Friday Night Lights t-shirt on, as one does. When and you, I mean, what and else should you do at like, a yeah, book Yeah, exactly. Conference. And she's like, You're a Friday Night Lights fan. Do you know Amy Spaulding? (laughs) 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 Like, literally, she's like, oh, (laughs) clear eyes, full shelves." You have a Friday Night Lights shirt amy my good you friend, must a- know yeah. amy <laughs> like literally she just had this little twinkle in her eye like she already
0: knew the answer she's like do you know Amy's spaulding <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting reading that i i really l- love that character journey, yeah. and i think that's a really like that is such a great example of a different story of like strength and perseverance and just trying to like figure out your your stuff. And what I
1: love about that too is even though Imogen did go through a trauma, Mm -hmm. there is no way if you'd read Imogen a month before that happened, that she wouldn't have still been really, you know, abrasive and tough. And all these things that are supposedly not okay for girls to be yeah, like, exactly. that was a book where obviously her specific reaction to the trauma was what fueled the drama, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh, she had a, it wasn't like we're justifying her bad behavior because of, she was allowed to have it because of this. Like she was probably acting out in certain ways beforehand. And right, that was one was thing. Like probably
2: I
0: was, a bit of a brat. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because like, her, I mean, even though she's, like, a physically strong character in addition to, you know, all that she's going through, it's it's interesting to me the reaction some folks have had to her not being able to just sort of get over it. Yeah. And it's like, and I think that our expectations have shifted because we're reading, the books that are so popular right now are the characters who, you know, in order to, like, not die, need to just get over it and move forward. I think that... That's an inter- It's an interesting rub between like the sort of you know quieter contemporary and what's popular, and I think yeah. it has subtly shifted our expectations. What?
2: But like the journey of a typical teenage girl, it's considered illegitimate and stupid just by <laughs> society standards, it's, just in
1: general. Uh, that kind of segment segues to the the thing that I not, you know, not a smart person I stole their idea from, noticed, which is what I think is really happening to some degree is because of the popularity of YA, and now obviously a huge percentage of YA readers are not teenagers. It's women in their twenties and thirties are one of the biggest groups. And I think what's happening is I am really not writing for adults. I'm writing I'm trying to write a genuine teenage experience, what it was like then, what you're thinking, what matters to you. And I am not presenting it in, to me, the difference in a book about a teenager that's shelved in the adult section versus a YA novel is that there's no sense of perspective or nostalgia. This is, it's all in Mm -hmm. the moment. And so I am not concerned about like, is this a good decision? Is this going to lead to a great life when I'm 30? A lot of, I will say, I the one thing I'll bring up about my own book, at least as of now, maybe I'll blather about Is <laughs> is I've had a lot of, I've seen a lot of reviews that say, uh, I have to be, anyone who hasn't read my book, I would like you to read it. So I'm going to try to be uh, non-spoilery. I can but, also
0: just warn people to fast forward to the, to the minute mark.
1: Okay. Movies. Yeah. Will you do that? Because then I can yeah. be a little more open. Okay. Yeah, that's, I'll do that. And, and people who've read it, I would like to be more specific with. That's great. Okay.
0: Hi, guys. It's Sarah popping in really quick. Um, we are going to be chatting about some spoilers about the Reese Malcolm List and the end of the book. So if you want to be completely unspoiled for the ending of that book, just skip ahead to the About 48 minutes and 15 second mark, and you should be
1: fine. So a lot of people are really disappointed that at the end, the boy Devin is with is Cy. And the whole idea is he's not going to be good for her forever. He's no kind of partner. He's clearly a player. He's got his own issues and he's using her. You maybe some of that's true. He is 16 so is she. They're not she's not looking for a husband. She is looking for a boy who she is really hot for right now, a boy who she can talk to and she feels comfortable with and that is him. And that is the end of where that deliberation for that character ended for me. And there's such a sense of almost like as if I should have made it where she knew that or she had picked a more responsible thing because that's the end of the book, but it's not the end of her, I I know she's fictional, but it's not the end of her life, and, you know, she's going to go to, you know, some drama school, and she's going to meet hot boys there, and she's going to, I don't know, go do theater, or go teach theater, who knows, she, you know, this character is going to have, within this fictional world, a whole fictional life, and I didn't feel it was necessary at the end of a book about a 16-year-old to be like, but he might not have been my best decision, and I'd figure that out later. <laughs> I, I never, I have no, I have no desire to do that, and I almost feel because there's so many adults coming into reading YA now that there, there's some people who want to project that you know, like adults who drank and had sex in high school because most people, percentage wise, did, are you know, they become parents and they're like, "How dare you? That's not what good kids do." It's like, yeah, that's what you did. <laughs> And I think there's a, there's that same kind of like rosy nostalgia about you know the way we talk about like the 1950s that never actually existed you know where everyone just like went to sock hops and wore saddle shoes and looked beautiful and were, was chased and that's not most people's high school experience and studies show that and teenagers aren't getting worse in some ways teenagers are you know acting out less because they you know technology allows us to connect with people in other ways we don't all just have to like. I don't know, go hang out and make mischief. So I think there's this idealized need that adults are turning to... Oh my god, my cats are freaking out. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Uh, <laughs> I know this is going to sound like a cat stereotype. They just found a box of yarn.
2: Oh my god, oh, totally freaked man. out. I'm yeah. yeah. so
1: excited. But then the lid fell off and it was scary. Uh Anyway... So I think that there's this romanticism people want to have about their own teenage years. And if you have that, a book like Twilight's going to be wonderful. Like for all the crap people talk about Twilight, that book makes you feel like what it is when you see somebody that you want to be in love with and find yourself falling in love with. That Stephanie Meyer absolutely captured what that dreamy feeling is like when someone consumes your whole world. And...
2: Whether or not it's good for you. And Exactly. Everybody has a relationship like that at some point. Yeah. With a sparkly vampire per se, but you know what I
0: mean. Admit like, it. You had a relationship with a sparkly vampire. Okay, him, yeah. you got me, I guess.
1: I mean have, having a consuming crush feels feels like being insane. And I I absolutely value that there are people who wanna like go into that I and so basically like that's fair. I love that. But then to like that person also should be good for you and your true love forever is something, hey, if that happens, that's great. I'm not saying people can't find love in high school. Of course people do. What I'm saying is that you shouldn't, as a teenage girl, you shouldn't have to make decisions about who you're dating. Like, will there be a good father? No, who cares? You're 16. Yeah. <laughs> is, he, you know, is he fun to hang out with? Go for it. Great.
0: Have you? Have either of you read I Now Pronounce You Someone Else? No. S. That yeah. book is really interesting, the way she, the main character in that novel, sort of wants to do those things, like sort of have this whole idea of, like, laying out her future in a certain way. And it is such, that is the bad decision in that book, that, like, she yeah. wants to see things like she's 30 years old. And, like, and I what
1: think... I the, what I loved about it was... There was, like, by the end, there was some ambiguity to, like, hey, some of what she decided wasn't really bad. It's just not for now, maybe. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. a
0: bad now decision, not necessarily a bad ten years from now decision. Right. And I, I thought th- that book was very interesting to me, the way that she kind of, and I don't know if it was, like, intentional, but she kind of deconstructed a bit of that that type of story that sort of expects girls to make really grown-up decisions in the right way. I mean, I don't know yeah. if that was into her intention, but that's the way it read to me, was that she was kind of deconstructing that paradigm.
1: And, of course, they're probably... I mean, we've all met, like, a 16-year-old who you're like, oh, God, you're so much more mature than me. You probably should go have a baby next year. That's fine. <laughs> I still sometimes forget to buy cat food and feel like a jerk. So, I had to
0: run out before this podcast and get dog food, because I was like, oh, my God, I have nothing to feed my dogs. So.
1: Exactly. Don't so, do that
0: with babies, guys. It's not a good see, idea. See, exactly. More I'm cool. That
1: seems hard. <laughs> so, cer- it's certainly not like some sort of, I'm not just blanketing, hey, teenagers aren't ready for serious relationships. Teenagers aren't ready for this and that. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, in general, the romantic decisions you're making at 16 don't have necessarily that much bearing on the rest of your life. And beca- either because people are getting used to a happily ever after trope or... Because adults are coming into it for that very kind of like romantic comedy escape, they're wanting that specific kind of happy ending. And I'm, well, Kissing Ted Callahan is a romantic comedy. So anyone who wants that, go read it, guys. Yay. I uh, love rom-coms. In, so. <laughs> in 2015. But when I'm just writing a more contemporary YA story, I, uh, it's hard for me because as much as I, I want to give people a happy ending and I want, you know, I want readers to be happy for my characters. At the same time, I also just, my biggest desire is that things are real. And I just feel like when you're 16, there's a lot of, you're happily ever after at the moment. is probably still not going to be maybe the best in the long run decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's growing up. That's, you know, finding out who you are and what kind of people you want to be around.
0: I mean, you're happy ever after when you're 16 is sort of being able to function in the
2: world. Right. I think it's interesting. I think in media in general, this has happened. Like, I have noticed a really big shift in how stories are told from when I was growing up with the half-hour sitcom. Mm-hmm. Maybe there'd be a 2 part a to be continued yeah. next week thing. But everything got wrapped up within a half an hour. And you knew it was going to get wrapped up. Right, You know, and I think that <laughs> happened in like books and TV and movies and people kind of grew to expect that. But now I think a lot of things have shifted creatively where people want, people are writing more complex characters, real characters, really, that reflect three dimensions instead of just being like, okay, this is what you are. You made this mistake. Problem solved now. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I think there's been a lot of pushback from people who have grown to expect that against what is out there now for people, which is real and ambiguous and messy and complicated the way life is. Yeah. Um, It's not just this romantic thing. That's not what the stories are there for anymore. They're kind of reflecting real life back at people. And that makes people uncomfortable, I think. And I, I think some people don't like it.
0: So, I, I have to do my, because we haven't done our, um like, tie, we, the Salt Ties back. To, we haven't done our Friday Night Lights or Joshua Jackson references yet <laughs> in the podcast. Amy, I don't know if you if you know this is a thing. I, I can relate anything and everything to either Friday Night Lights or Joshua Jackson. It's my... It's ability. true. It's, it's true. It's my talent. You know how everyone has their special thing? This is mine. <laughs> Are you impressed?
1: I am. Okay. Totally. <laughs> so,
0: uh, the way, when I was sort of thinking about this sort of nebulous topic, I was thinking about how um, the sort of Tim Riggins versus Julie Taylor. Yeah. You know, they're both at similar times in their lives and, like, Tim, like, e- everyone loves Tim. I love Tim. I mean, yeah. how can you not love Tim? And he I actually has an amazing story arc in that television show. But, like, people love Tim because he's, like, this sort of bad boy archetype. With the heart of gold. With a heart of gold. And, I mean, whatever. So, and I love Tim. I'm not dissing on him. But, like, people, people hate Julie. Uh-huh. They hate her for like these sort of, you know, cuz she, you know, she dumps Matt. She has a, you know, really bad relationship when she goes to college. She mm-hmm. does like sort of the dumb shit that people do when they're that age. Right. Totally normal. Like she doesn't become a drug addict. She doesn't like stab anyone. She just, you know, she makes
2: stupid decisions she makes as like we all have in our lives. Decisions
0: that people make from the time they're 15 to the time they're 19. I mean, that's, you know, or like 24. I like, was going to yeah. say well, that's the age—that's age, that's the age range she is in the show. Okay, anyway, but it's so interesting the way the reaction of um, the sort of common thread of people who are into that show, like they loved him, and like, um, oh crap, I just forgot her name. Anyway, there's a girl who ran a podcast and a blog about Friday Night Lights, and she does these like quick. She still does these like quick um, sort of polls of people, like what their like most loved character and what their most hated characters are. And the most hated is always Julie, and like the things people say about her are horrible. And because she is a normal girl, and it's so, it's so interesting to me that like the things that Tim does are so much worse than mm-hmm. anything Julie ever does. But don't you, well,
1: okay, first of all, I don't know why people hate Julie. That's super weird to me.
0: I love Julie. But I like Julie, yeah. I will say people that hate I think, her,
1: though. Before, if we were looking for like the, if I was going to say like the female equivalent of Tim Riggins, I would say it was Tyra. I uh, love her. Mm-hmm. And people love Tyra, I will say. So what I almost think it is, is a little bit of that. Julie hasn't earned having any issues cuz she right. has a g- she
0: has a great family.
1: family and she's blonde and pretty and has a quarterback boyfriend so she should be perfect sure. she, she should, should, should be, be happy yeah she should and be like, happy
0: like just like that poof she yeah. shouldn't want anything else she yeah. shouldn't struggle with the same so it's it's true that's a good point
1: so, I, I yeah, I kind of feel like it's that sense of, like, Julie hasn't gotten, you know, she hasn't had hardship compared to other she people. Hasn't, she, hasn't
0: she hasn't earned the angst.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is.
0: Which comes all the way back to what you were saying early on, is that, you know, you, in order to be, like, have these conflicts, you have to have, like, had someone die or, you know. Yeah, or, like, Lila. A lot of people don't particularly like Lila, but at the same time,
2: they're, like, okay with her because in the first episode, so her boyfriend is
0: becomes
2: paralyzed. paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: people are like, "Okay, we'll give her a pass." Exactly. It's you
0: like she's earned her screw ups,
1: which is I, I just I guess it's weird to me because the reason I write contemporary, well, for one thing, it's like my default setting, but I think the reason (laughs) I think the reason it's my default is that growing up, that's what I loved. I loved reading about girls who were not that not that different places from me, and who had not that different issues from me, and maybe it was a little heightened and. Maybe there was a different, slightly different kind of drama, but it was like me. And so I find it really sad that it's like, those are the stories we're saying aren't worth telling. Because that's what we're all living through.
0: That's like totally depressing.
1: Yeah, absolutely oh, it
0: is. Yeah, I mean, the subject just yeah. <laughs> I mean, that it real. I mean, I, okay, I'm an idiot. I hadn't thought of it that way. But that's... Like our real life stories aren't the ones that are worth telling. God. I mean, I think they are, but a I lot think of they other are too. That is so don't. depressing.
2: <laughs> I mean, contemporary. Why is probably my favorite genre. It is. I would it's say. my yeah. favorite
0: as well. I mean, I really and and in adult fiction, the stuff that I like that's it tends to follow a lot of the same have same mm-hmm. the same qualities as contemporary. Why yeah. maybe sort of you know quieter stories that you know have some, I don't know, some kind of relatable or, I don't like the word relatable. I think it's a really loaded word. But so kind of, I don't know, meaningful emotional payoff. Yeah. You know, and it sort of sucks that that's not what, oh God, I'm just going to sit here and pout.
1: (laughs) I really think plenty of people enjoy it, and I think teenagers still love it. They're just not the people who are like sitting in front of Goodreads writing, you know, I think that's, yeah. constantly. And I and I think, I think it's also easy to dwell on. Of course, when you notice a negative review about something, you're like, "Oh, that's really hard for me." But when, um, you know, there are plenty of people who enjoy the small struggles that you know contemporary authors write about, and. I don't I don't think that appreciation is going away. I just, you know, wish this idea of people focusing on what's wrong with a teenage girl struggle, you know, wasn't wasn't a part of it.
0: I thought one of the I don't know if you saw a couple months ago, um someone had submitted an ask to John Green's ask box on Tumblr and it was like Aren't you? It was it was very. The wording was very crazy. Sorry, not to be used like really bad, like loaded language, but it was really crazy. Like, like, aren't you upset that the, when the Fault in the Star Fault in Our Stars movie comes out, like it's going to just be like a bunch of screaming teenage girls standing in line to see it, like when it's like literature. Did you see that? No. Oh, oh my! God. It was
2: really like but that's a really horrible thing to say. It was really like, on many levels. It was really oh, yeah, that's... Like, like all
0: the language, like the language the person. I mean, I really remember like like something like the word literature was used, and like screaming teenage girls were you know are going to be the first in line, and he kind of like reamed the person out. Like, well, good. As...
1: <laughs> that's very upsetting, especially because I'm so sick of. I loved of all. I love that book. Do yeah. not get me wrong, but there are there are many women who are writing really great books that no one wants to call literature. So right, and that,
0: I it, I know it was very. It was like all the like all the language, and he addressed it, and it was like a very like, forceful, like, this is not acceptable, sort of, <laughs> and here is why. Yeah, and he's um, a big
2: defender of YA as a genre. Like, I don't think I've ever actually seen him refer to his own work as literature. He's just like, I write for young adults. I'm not interested in writing about adults. Like, I write Which YA, got him in is a lot is of hot I water <laughs> on the
0: Tumblr. Huh? It got him in a lot of hot water on the Tumblr. Oh. Anyway, but, um, <laughs> Tumblr drama, man. What is with that? I know. I don't understand
1: because, seriously, all I use Tumblr for is to look at, like, hot pictures of celebrities and, like, That's so like about
0: That's, what them. Tumblr was intended for. I know. sets They're, like, it's my like, best friend. I know. It's, like, my Tumblr is, like, I follow Tumblrs about, like, Idris Elba, Alexander Skarsgård, and Friday Night Lights. That's what I follow. That's what my Tumblr is. Yeah, t- I, mean.
2: I, uh, I follow Newsies, Tumblrs. Uh, <laughs> Newsies is a very important part of my life. <laughs> I was actually watching that movie this morning while I was getting ready and singing along very loudly, um, which I will not demonstrate to so, you guys.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, it, was, it was just interesting, like, I because I love The Fault in Our Stars, too, but there is this sort of, this idea that, like, oh no, teen girls are gonna, it's like, well, teen girls already love that book. Like, I went to the John Green thing in Portland, like... That was an auditorium packed full of teen girls screaming, like, and it was awesome. Like, it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. Like, it was like going to a Taylor Swift concert. Like, I was (laughs) because I was was talking to Lisa Schroeder about this, and she she went to the um, that same event, and um, she made the comparison. It was like going to a Taylor Swift concert, and it was so cool because all these girls were so excited about a book, like, they were about seeing Taylor Swift, which was also a really cool and exciting thing just because they're so excited about something. Uh-huh. And, like, isn't it cool that 15-year-olds, like, in this sort of, like, where being jaded is, like, the thing, that, like, they can still get that excited about something. Yeah. You know? A book, especially. A book! They were excited about a book! Like, that is awesome! Sorry, I'm gonna start yelling. Talk, Laura. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna sit back and... Well... One of the things I wanted to mention, did you guys see that post by Zoe Marriott? Yes. No. Uh, it, this is really good. Amy. It was great. You'll really appreciate it. But it, it really encompasses a lot of what we've been talking about, about how how hard it is to write female characters. Because no matter what you do, people hate it. There's always people. Like, you can't make them too perfect. You can't make them to this or that, like no matter like what kind of like archetype you make your female character, people are just like, it's a teenage girl. I don't like it. Like they will always find a reason to not like it.
1: Yeah. And I think in some ways that's almost a cool freedom because it's like, well, screw it, screw it. You're not going to like, no matter what I do, I'm going to write the reality as I see it.
2: Yeah. That's kind of cool that um, it's liberating for you in that way. I think.
1: I mean, I say this on a good day, I say this at the moment with no edits due and no, you know <laughs> I mean I'll admit if they're
2: not Goodreads today, I take it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I try kind not of to go to Goodreads too often because Goodreads isn't for me. Goodreads is for readers and that's their space and um I value that and I value that as someone who used to have an account years ago and I used it for, you know, reviewing and to see what my friends were I did not was not worried about what an author thought. And now that I am one, I try really hard to keep that in mind that it's, that's, it's someone else's space that I am going to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, that said, when I was working on, on ink, which, you know, no one's really read yet, uh, cause it's not out yet, but there was some, there was some talk. Uh, my main character in ink is she's very different from Devin and Reese. Uh, she's much more outwardly confident and, you know, bold in some ways and you know it's some of it is just you know her surface and not necessarily how she feels about things but my editor and I talked a lot about how uh, you know there were some early kind of like test readers who were like well she's not really likable and the only the only like kind of thing that they could come up with like well she's really confident and it really it upset me a lot because I thought well isn't that good yeah why oh, is that, that, that bad? Awesome. Well, that she's
2: if the girls insecure. They don't like it either. They're just like, man, what a whiny. She needs to get her shit. Oh my god, head. how many you times? <laughs>
1: about, yeah, how many times did I hear about Devin? God, she's clearly talented and people like her. Why can't she just accept it? It's like it's
0: the worst well,
1: issues, guys. She's got some issues. The
0: word and, whiny is a real trigger for me with uh-huh. the way people talk about, particularly female characters in general, but teen characters um, specifically, because I feel like that is such a like there's no way to win that. Like mm-hmm. if you are if you are self aware enough to know you have like things that are not working in your life, which I think most people that's a baseline of like self awareness. Right. Like you are going to be perceived as being whiny. And that it's just like it's like to where I'm actually I've gotten to the point where I'm having trouble like actually going
1: on Goodreads because yeah. I see it so much and yeah. I don't know if People I've like programmed my
0: brain. Oh God, I have, to see I have that really- word
1: because I I have an easy time looking at my own reviews on there because then I can just be like, okay, well they disagree with me or they didn't like that. That's fine. Yeah, but I have a much harder time with books I love. Of uh, the, the thing that I kind of always come back to that I hold on to, like if I'm upset about a review or if I'm up. I'm more likely to get upset about a review of a book I love though, not my own, um, is the book by, uh, Cheryl Strayed Wild, which is just, I think a phenomenal book. Uh, I love it. It it was one of those things I read at the right time too. And it was very emotional for me, very cathartic. And, All my friends who had read it, we were all just, like, talking about how great it was and how we'd had all these, like, revelatory moments reading it. And I go on Goodreads. And, of course, there's a lot of good reviews, but that's not what your mind sticks on. My mind stuck on all the people who were like, so what? Her mom died. Get over it. And, like, how dare she, you know, her life fall into disrepair because she lost her mother and it was hard on her. And it made me so furious because... A, it was taking such a shallow view of the events of this woman's life. But B, I thought if I lost my mom right now, I would fall apart. I would fall apart. And my you know, my mom is one of my very best friends. We talk all the time. And if I lost her at this point in my life, it would be that devastating to me. And it made me furious that people just were like, to what many people I think could be the biggest tragedy in their life, were like, get over it. And this is a real story. This is a memoir. And it, oh, God. I, yeah. yeah. And it shattered me to think about these jerks just sitting around writing that. And then I thought, well then they don't like anything. They can't <laughs> give any because but, what would have you know if a person whose mom died and then they start using like I think heroin and had to have an abortion and all these like horrible things? That I think most of us will go, yeah, that's about that. That's that's the worst. That's you go for it. rock
0: bottom. Yeah.
1: yeah, if like that's not enough, I can't win. So again, there's a sense of liberation with that.
0: Mm-hmm. The the Zoe Marriott post was really like she really distilled this issue yeah for, she, she we brought she, it in that post yeah <laughs> and the thing and i'll send it to you but one Thank of the, she yeah. she laid out like basically all the things that like uh a female character like has to be to like gain sort of acceptance and it was just it she said you got to be mature so you can't be you can't act like a 16 year old like, you cannot be like a 16 year old if you're going to be like, you know.
1: A... I got rejections on every single one of my books that said sometimes this character acts mature. Sometimes they act older than 16. Sometimes they act younger than 16. That's, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, like a... up. <laughs> Would you like, like, come over and hang out with me and see how yeah. often I ask what so, you think like, she five is? And, be...
0: and so she can't be, you know, immature and annoying. And so she can't change her mind. Like none of those things can happen. She has to, has, also has to be completely selfless, but she, but then she also can't be completely pure and selfless because then she's an annoying martyr. Yes. <laughs> like, and, uh, she has to get an A in relationships. <laughs> so she has to be like really good at like handling relationships and, I mean, she had a whole, like, basically litmus test of, like, you know, like, if there's more than one boy she's interested in, she has to, like, you know, if one of them, she has to give one of them a fair chance, even if she actually likes the other one more. Like, this is brilliant. And she has to be smart, but she can't be too clever, because then she's unrealistic. And she has to be attractive, but not too attractive. And, um, she also, but, and she can't fixate on her appearance all the time. It's just like, it goes on and on and on. And then she also has to be brave. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's the, it's, a complete painting into a corner. And I just thought it was so yeah. incredibly astute and true and just, you know, It's, it's true. You can't, it's...
2: Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, I just think in general, teenagers are not very likable people. And I'm not just saying girls. Uh, Girls and boys, teenagers, just because of what they're going through in their lives, are not likable. So, to have this expectation that these characters who are teenagers in books should be likable is positively ridiculous to me.
1: I think in general, humans can be really selfish and Uh self-involved and fixated on the dumb things and riled up about lame stuff. And that's just the human experience. And I'm not saying every book I read, I want it to be like someone just dealing with their day-to-day life. But I also, I don't know what's so wrong about acknowledging that like humanity isn't really perfect
2: yeah i totally agree like i like reading about conflict complicated people you know otherwise it's boring yeah and i mean and i know i'm not perfect shocking what? i know <laughs> you know <laughs> but i mean it's almost for me i almost feel reassured when i read these stories about people who have made some of the same kinds of mistakes that I've made, where I'm just like, oh, God, thank God, I'm not the only one who is that fucking stupid, you know? <laughs> and like, it's reassuring and,
1: to me. And, you know, um, I'm certainly not saying that, like, anytime someone doesn't like one of my characters, it's because they're, you know, well, sexist right, or... Right. No, like, there's plenty of reasons you may not like my characters, and there's things that I'm sure I didn't succeed at entirely. And, you know, I'm certainly not saying that, you know, oh, if you didn't like it, it's because you're not fair to women. No, you may just not like my books or my characters or maybe I didn't, you know, express something well enough. And that's fine. You know, it's it's more that I'm getting at, you know, the whole idea of that. It's just, it's hard. Like, like with that blog post you referenced, you know, it really paints us into a corner on like what's acceptable. And then even if you follow all
2: those norms, people still aren't happy. They'll always, somebody will always find a reason to like not be like that. And a lot of times when you read the reviews of these books, a lot of times it uses that language like, oh, whiny, angsty, things well, like
1: I that. Always, um, I always tell when it's like someone. Like an adult who has just left that behind completely, because I've seen reviews that, that say must like, "Be
0: nice." This character,
1: <laughs> is grateful, they have a roof over their head. I'm like, have you ever met a teenager who's <laughs>
2: grateful for is anything? Is grateful
1: for a roof over their head? I. I was a pretty nice teenager, actually, in a lot of ways. I loved my parents and wanted them to like me all the time. And I was never grateful for the roof over my head. I took that as a given.
0: No, yeah. I didn't, like, consider that as, like, not, like, a like a variable, you know? But it was, it's like,
1: kind of like, it's nice if I see someone say that in a review because I'm immediately like, yeah, you're not looking for a real teenage experience if that's a thing you yeah. thought should have been brought up.
0: But... So we actually have to wrap up because we have book club
1: and All right, we, have, we'll to, we have
0: to go to the bar and talk about books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to go to the grocery store and get, some. Um, yeah, um,
0: we're having a way better afternoon than you. Stuff. Yeah. I'm
1: sure well, I'm literally going to go to the grocery store and I'm getting like cat litter.
0: But are you going to wear the hello kitty pajamas when you go to the grocery store? Cause that could make it exciting.
1: No guys, I'm not. <laughs>
0: But we'd actually love to continue talking to you. Yeah, at some me point, too. This has we been awesome.
2: really—you're
0: one of our favorites. I don't even think we talked about half. We of didn't the talk things about basically on anything about on our like just... fancy outline. Yeah. Well, when did
1: I come. I'll come back after ink is out, and then we can talk more specifically about that too.
0: That so. sounds oh, like that sounds a perfect awesome. deal. Um. So anyway, Amy, you know we think you're awesome, and we really appreciate you. And uh, if. And we really would encourage everyone to read the Reese Malcolm list because it's awesome. Uh huh. And just it's charming. It's and charming. So and, great.
1: Yeah. So well, thanks, guys. You you guys have been really nice supporters, and it's it's. I will say, as an author, it's very it's nice to have those you know those blogs where you can just kind of. I don't want to say depend on because it sounds like I'm using you. It's more yeah. just that I <laughs> I you guys always have really thoughtful, intelligent content and that's noticed and appreciated. Well,
0: I feel like you write the kind of YA that I would have loved to have had as a teen. Yeah. I like, agree. That,
1: that's my, that's honestly my goal is I'm like, what did, you know, 14, 15 year old Amy want to read about?
0: Yeah, like, and I, I think there's something, I mean, and I think that's why I enjoy it. Is yeah. You know, and you're sort of in that group of like, I know she is writing the books that I wish I'd had when I was 16. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. So, um, but we'd love for you to come back. and um, Yeah, I totally will. You know, we appreciate it. So Thanks. Thank, you, up, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Have a good one. You, you too. too. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes, Full Shelves, can't lose.